Well, guys, you may have a seat if you are here with children. This is time we dismiss our kiddos if they want to head to Children's Church to follow Rebecca down the hall into our, uh, our new building. If you haven't got a chance to tour the, the new building, it's brand new. We've used it for several weeks now, but uh, we are still breaking that thing in and, and really enjoying that. And so if you haven't got a chance to see that, we would encourage you to, uh, to take a minute today and, and walk through that and, uh, and just look at what God's given to us. Well, we're continuing our series in the book of Hebrews. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, I wish you'd open up to Hebrews chapter 11. That's where we're going to begin today. We're going to look at just four or five verses together. And as we uh, go through these verses today, uh, we're going to kind of pick up and and see where uh, where this takes us. In fact, these these next four events that are mentioned in the book of of Hebrews chapter 11 um, show us something a little bit different. It's easy to uh, to read through these lists and, and go, oh yeah, I remember this person, this person, this person, this person, and just move on. But one of the things I've been trying to encourage you to do as you read through Hebrews with us is to enter into the story, to feel the drama of the moment, to understand what the people who are exercising faith, these men and these women who have become heroes of our faith, realize what it was like to be in that moment at that time having to choose, am I going to be faith-filled or am I going to cave in? Am I going to follow and trust God's word, or am I going to trust what I can see and what I can grasp with my hands? These guys are real-life people just like you and I. They, they are not, they didn't come here superheroes. They came here with real-life struggles, just like us. They came here with illnesses. They came here facing disasters. They came here facing trials that were overwhelming. They came here expecting God to, to do things that, that no man could fathom that could be done they stood and faced death and yet they did it with faith and and i want us to enter into their story and to take just a minute today and to to look at this because the 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 four things that i wanted to focus on today are, are are four events that directly impacted other people's lives it wasn't just hey this guy had faith and he got blessed But the faith that these four that we're going to look at today, these four events, were life-changing not only for the person who exercised the faith, but for those who came after them. There is a ripple effect of faith, like throwing a a rock in a pond and and the ripple effect makes this all the way to the shore. There is a ripple effect to our faith. And that means that when you choose to exercise faith, it has an impact on other people around you. When a father in a house chooses to live his life built upon the Word of God by faith in the, in the Word of God, it has an effect upon his children and his grandchildren and, and generations to come. When a mother chooses to raise her children and to model for them grace and love and to live by faith and to do that in front of her children day in and day out, even when she would rather pull out her hair and have a meltdown. It affects generations to come. We never exercise faith in a vacuum. We never exercise faith in in a way that that, that doesn't have some kind of an effect eventually upon those around us. Now, our kids may reject our faith and our kids may walk away from our faith and they may say, you know, that's just not for me. But that faith is still planted in their mind. They still know what mom and dad stood for. They still know what was important to them. And and, and we just trust that one day God's going to use that to reach them or maybe their kids. But it'll never be wasted. And so in these four things that we're going to look at today, we're going to look at at how that the the faith of a person, a real life person just like you and me, how that faith and their faith impacted sometimes a whole nation. And I want you to be aware today that God didn't just use 
heroes like Moses. God used prostitutes like Rahab. That means no matter where you find yourself today, no matter what your past has looked like, you can start with faith today. And it can still make a difference tomorrow and for generations to come. We're going to read about a lady named Rahab today. She was a prostitute in Jericho who by faith trusted God. And do you have any idea what she became and the difference that she made? As we go on this, listen to this. She became the great-great-grandmother of King David through whom the Messiah came. Tell me God can't change lives. And God can't take a, a, a faithful act of one person who maybe the rest of society has written off and use them to make a difference for generations and generations to come. Let's look at these four things real quick. I want to read you the whole passage, and then I want us to, uh, to look at the importance and the responsibility that we have, the blessing and the responsibility that faith brings for us. So we've been looking at these different people and these different events they've been doing, and today, again, we just want to focus upon how the, the, the faithfulness of these, these people made a difference for generations to come. All right, look at this. Verse 28, chapter 11, verse 28. By faith, he's talking about Moses, okay? By faith, Moses kept the Passover, sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. We'll come back and talk about that event in just a second, but let's just read it all, okay? Verse 29, by faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. And by faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Four different events that took place. They're they're mentioned here. And and, in all four of these events, somebody's exercising faith. And that faith is having an impact for generations to come. So let's start with the first one. He says, by faith, Moses kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. If you'll remember, Moses went before Pharaoh. There was all these plagues, nine plagues that came into, uh, into being. And, uh, you know, it started with the, 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 the water turning to blood and then the, the frogs and then the flies and the gnats. And you go through all these different things that, that are there. You've got the, the hail and, and, and then the, the darkness and all this. And you get to this 10th plague, which is going to be the death of the firstborn of all of Egypt. Pharaoh just made a threat to Moses and said, Moses, if I ever see your face again, I'm going to kill you. Don't ever come before me again, or you will be dead. And Moses says, I'll not be back. But this is what God's about to do. And he says to Pharaoh, he says, Pharaoh, here's what's going to happen tonight. Is that God is going to send the death angel, and the firstborn of every household will die. And the firstborn of all cattle will die. All throughout the land of Egypt. It's not going to touch us as, as, as Hebrews, but it's going, to, it's going to touch every one of you. And it's going to touch from the slave woman all the way to Pharaoh's house. And there will be weeping and wailing throughout Egypt. God tells Moses, now Moses, here's what we're going to do. You're going to go back to the Hebrew people and you're going to tell them that tonight they're to sacrifice a lamb. They're to roast the meat. They're to take the blood of that lamb. 
And they are to take that blood and they are to smear it on the, on the side post and across the top of their doors on the outside to identify them as the people of God, people of faith. And tonight at midnight when the death angel passes, it will pass over the homes that have blood on the doorpost. Now I want you to notice something about this. The blood was not placed on the inside of the door. Where was it placed? On the outside. Our faith is not meant to just be internal. It's to be visible. It's to be external. It's to be out there for all the world to see. Now, what's the risk in that? Moses is announced to Pharaoh. Here's what's about to happen. Then he goes to his people and says, hey, you need to identify yourself as one of us. And, and here's what's going to happen. There, there's, there's a lot of symbolism here, but there's going to be a sacrifice of, of a lamb. There's going to be a sacrifice later on of a lamb named Jesus that's going to die in our place. His blood's going to be shed for us. That lamb's blood was shed so that they could be marked as a believer. We are, we are marked with the blood of Christ, if you will. That's what distinguishes us from the rest of the world, is that, that our sins have been covered in the blood of Christ. And so there's so much gospel tie in here, but we can't just hang out here forever. So let me just simplify it and say that they were to take the blood, smear it on the doorpost, and then the death angel would come. He would pass over those homes, and no one in that home would be harmed. They were to stay inside the house. They were to, to have this meal. They were to eat it in haste. There was, there was no yeast. no, no you know, So it was just this huge deal. But here's the danger of that. If God doesn't come through, they're, they're in trouble. Because they're believing that God's going to rescue them and kill the Egyptians. And, and, and either way it goes, they are putting themselves out there. And faith always does that. Faith puts you out there. If you're going to live by faith, people are going to look at you and go, ooh, it's kind of risky. Yeah. There is always the element of risk that if God doesn't come through, you're toast. Think about this now. We, we, we go through the night. The death angel passes. Pharaoh's firstborn, his, 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 his heir to his throne is now dead. All throughout Egypt, all the firstborn in every home dies. Their, their firstborn cattle die. Who do we blame? Those people with the blood on their door. We know where to find them. Brooke, we don't need an investigator to go. It's obvious. It's it's been marked. We know who's to blame. It's risky. It's a do or die situation. Either God comes through and does what he says he's going to do, or I'm going to be a fool and I'm probably going to be dead. And that's what faith does for us. There are moments in time where God calls us. Not every step of faith is that, is that risky. But there are moments in time where God calls us to take steps of faith that are super risky. You step out in faith, it may cost you your job. You do what God says to do instead of what the boss says to do. And, and, and you follow God's word instead of what the culture says to do. And it may cost you something. That's what faith does. It's risky. But what it does is force us to choose who are we going to trust the most, God or culture. And that's what faith does. It draws a line in the sand and says, let me know who you're trusting. That night, as they had to smear the blood on the door frame of their home, they realized, dude, if Moses is wrong, we're in trouble. I don't think sometimes we understand the pressure that Moses faced as the leader of this group. He's got, some estimates say, anywhere from two to three million people now that he's led or is fixing to lead out of Egypt. 
He's going to be responsible for them. He's got to make sure they get fed, that, 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 that they have what they need. Now, God's the ultimate supplier, and Moses understands that. But Moses is the leader, and he's the one that they come after when everything doesn't go good, when the water's sour, when the manna's tasteless, when, when they want some meat. They come after Moses, and they just complain and grumble, and they say things to Moses like, didn't we tell you just to leave us alone? We'd be better off back in Egypt as slaves than to follow you. I want you to picture where Moses is at now. God's spoken to Moses, says, Moses, this is what's about to happen. This is what you're supposed to do. And Moses got to wrestle with that for a minute. What if I'm not hearing God right? And I get all my people to mark their door with red blood. And I miss God in this moment. And my people don't just have to make bricks without straws. But now my people are hunted down and their blood is going to be slaughtered and spread throughout the streets. Do you understand the weight of this moment in Moses' life? You're going to have some moments like that where you feel the weight. Dad, you're called to lead your family and God's calling you to, to lead your family a certain direction and it feels risky and you go, what if I'm missing God? What if my family doesn't understand? What if my kids rebel? What if, what if, what if? You go to work and your boss asks you to do something that's immoral or unethical. And you go, I'm sorry, my faith will not allow me to do that. And they say, you do it or you leave. And you're done. The weight, how will I support my family? How will I provide for my kids? I've got two kids in college. How? All these questions go running through your mind. Don't you think for a minute that Moses didn't face that same kind of weight? He did. And he had to choose. And what Scripture tells us here is that by faith, Moses, Moses kept the faith. He kept the Passover. He sprinkled the blood. In my mind, I see Moses going first and saying, hey, not asking you to do what I'm not going to do. Here we go. I'm first. Who's next? Every great leader, whether it's in a home or whether it's in the church or whether it's in, in a movement that God is doing, every great leader steps up and draws a line in the sand and says, here we go. Here we go. Joshua, who would follow Moses, draws a line in the sand and says, as for me and my house, what? We're going to serve the Lord. Choose you this day who you're going to serve. It's that moment in time where faith is put to the test and you go, who am I going to trust? It's a moment like this morning when I get that call about Thomas and these seizures that I have to ask myself, okay, Rob, what are you going to trust? Are you going to trust what you're hearing, what you're seeing, or what God said? And you have to back up and you have to think it through, weigh it through, pray it through. Dads, you've got decisions that you've got to make that will affect your family and, and, and maybe your, 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 your generations to come. And you've got to decide, am I hearing from God? Am I going to get this right? We take it way too lightly sometimes. We just kind of make decisions on the fly and we've got to stop. We've got to pray it through because our decisions that we make have impacts upon our kids, our grandkids, and sometimes for generations to come. This decision that Moses made affected all those people that God had called him to lead. It's easy to read the passage in, in, in the Old Testament and go, oh, okay, God said, Moses did, great, turned out good. And we skip all this turmoil that's inside in between. We need to feel 
the weight of these decisions that these guys are making and realize that they are human beings just like you and I who, who put their, their pants on one leg at a time, who get up every morning and say, you know what, I've got to face another day and I've got to make some more decisions and I need God's grace to help me to do that. That's Moses. So he kept the Passover, he sprinkled the blood. And what was the result? The destroyer of the firstborn would not touch them. We've said this, and let me say it again, because I know we've, we've got some of you that are just kind of joining us in this series. Faith is not me telling God what to do. Faith is never that. Faith begins with God's revelation. Every time we see in Scripture that faith is mentioned and talked about, it always starts with God revealing what he's about to do. And then faith just says, God, I want to be a part of that. In, in all four of these things here, it's God revealing what God's about to do, and it's, it's God's people responding to what God's revealed, and then there's a reward that follows. Faith is not me telling God what he ought to do. Faith is God saying, this is what I'm about to do. And then faith is the response that says to God, I want to be a part of that. Listen, Rahab is a prostitute. She doesn't, she doesn't have yet have faith in God. She doesn't yet know who God is, but she's heard who God is. And she hears these mighty wonders of what God's doing through his people. And she simply says, I want to be a part of that. That's her faith. So here we see Moses is saying, hey, this is what God said. You, you take the, the animal, you, shed, you take the blood, smear it, and, and, and I will do this. And faith was Moses saying, I'm first. I'm first. Here we go. Look at the next verse. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. Let me ask you a question. Where was their faith? I went back and read that story several times this week, and I thought, you know what? These people didn't have faith. And, and then you go back and you read this verse, you say, it doesn't say that it was their faith. <laughs> this is Moses' faith that parted the sea and allowed them to go across. Moses' faith had impact upon them. They were still grumbling. They're backed up to the sea, and they're going, Moses, we should have stayed in Egypt. You're a terrible leader. You are a horrible strategist. We were, there's a short way to get to the promised land, and you're taking us a long way. And then we go the long way, and you double back toward the army that's approaching us. And you back us against the sea, and now we're trapped with nowhere to go, and we're going to die. It would have been better to stay in Egypt than to follow you. You're terrible, Moses. They have no faith at all. The only person on scene that has faith is Moses. And Moses begins to whine to God because in, in, in God's response to Moses, God goes, Moses, why are you still crying? Hold out your staff, watch the water part, and I will take care of you. Moses is the only one with faith. So we read this, oh, the people had great faith. No, they didn't. But Moses' faith made a way for them. Moses' faith impacted them. Look at, look at what's going on here. Because when all this takes place, it's not the people's faith. It's Moses' faith. By faith, the people crossed. But it was by Moses' faith they crossed the Red Sea on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. We've got people who want to read the Bible and, and, and criticize all, oh, well, it was just a dry season, there was a drought, they just went across, there wasn't any water there to start with. Okay, Let's, let me just give you that. It's okay, if that's the case. Then you explain to me how the Egyptians drowned in a drought. That's even a bigger miracle. Oh my gosh. I mean, think about this. Now, I've got to come back to the eight convictions of faith. Is the Bible true and trustworthy? If it is, then great. If it's not, then I'll be honest, we're wasting our time. 
They're wasting their time. Here they are. They're, they're crossing the sea. There's nothing holding back this water but the hand of God. It says there's a wall of water on the left and a wall of water on the right. And Moses goes, yeah, who wants to go first? I think Moses went first. That's what a leader does. Especially a faith-filled leader who says, let's go. Faith moves us into situations that we're in trouble if God doesn't come through. We are in trouble if God doesn't come through. If this was just a freak thing that the wind kind of blew and a tornado sucked the water out for a few minutes and, and, and we don't know when that tornado is going to be over with and we don't know when this water is going to come back in and we don't know that we can trust God, then we are in trouble and we are fools to walk through the water. But if God really is God and he really is good and he really is making a way for us and he has communicated that to us, he says, you can trust me, then we are fools not to walk through the water. Moses had faith. It, it, it opened the sea, and the people were recipients of his faith. They were recipients of the reward of Moses' faith. God revealed, this is what I'm doing, Moses responded, and the people reaped the rewards. There was another crossing that the people got the opportunity to experience, these same people. They make it through that day. The Egyptian army, Pharaoh, all of them are drowned and done. Listen, God, God was wiping out their enemy, their oppressor. He was doing away with those oppressors. And all the people do was cry. They barely get through the waters, and they begin to grumble again. God gets them to the edge of the promised land. Remember what happens? They send the spies into land. The spies come back and say, oh, we're like grasshoppers. Everybody else is so huge, we can't do this. And they forget that they've got a God that's bigger than anything around them. And, and, and the faith that they never seem to develop just makes itself known that it's not there. And God says, okay, this generation can die in the wilderness. Your faith is dead, so are you. But their children saw the futility of their parents' lack of faith and said, I refuse to be known for that. Some of you college students, some of you young adults have watched your parents just, just flounder with no faith. And you're here today because you say, I refuse to live a life without faith. I refuse to, 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 just, to just exist the way I've seen my parents exist. I want more for me and for my kids and for the generations that come after me. And I applaud you for being here, even though you may not have that support back home and you may not have that, that, that parental uh, in, influx of, of faith that, that, that's been modeled for you. You're saying here today, you're saying, I want to be the one that stands up and says, I will, I will follow. And your faith is going to have impact for generations to come. I tell you what, I, I, I can't say enough how excited I am about what's going on in, in the lives of our teenagers and our college students, guys. I don't know how many of you guys are following what's going on there, but we have a generation that is growing up that refuses to sit still, that refuses to say, you know what, I'm going to sit on the sidelines and let somebody else do it. These guys are doing stuff that, that just blow me away and challenge me and convict me every single day. They are seeking out opportunities to glorify God. They, when we talk about going to a pool party and, and having intentional conversations, that's not just something we say. This is the way they live their life and what they strive for every single day, and we can learn a lesson from that. 
It's incredible to see what God's doing in this generation that's growing up. And I, I tell you what, man, I am, I am thrilled to go, you know what, we've got some people coming behind us that are going to carry this torch for generations to come. By faith, verse 30, the walls of Jericho fell down. Now let me tell you something else here. Joshua has now assumed the leadership. Moses has died. God said to Joshua, don't be afraid. And Joshua was like, what's there to be afraid of? I just got to follow Moses. I mean, how hard can that be, right? And God strengthens Joshua. He leads them back to the Jordan River where their parents had failed in faith. And he says, Joshua, we're going across. And Joshua says, all right, how are we going to do this? And God said, it's simple. You're going to get the Ark of the Covenant, the four guys to carry it. And the minute that they step foot into the Jordan River, which, by the way, happens to be at flood stage. You ever looked at our little river at flood stage? You ever seen how swift that water is? How strong the current is? How dangerous that can be? That's the kind of river that Joshua and them are about to cross. How are we going to do this? You're going to take your leaders, Joshua, the ones that carry the ark, and the minute that they step foot down into that river, I'm going to roll the waters back. And just like I let their parents go across dry land at the Red Sea, I'm going to let these guys experience that same power and that same moment. But, but their faith is going to be strengthened and it's going to soar. And they're going to trust me. And Joshua, they're going to look at you. And, and, and in this moment, you will be elevated as their leader. It's taking the place of Moses who did what Moses could not do. Now, how would you like to be the guy carrying the ark? Who's first? But their faith. To step out into that swift moving, overflowing water and to take that first step and just to go and stand in the water and be still. With this ark on your shoulders that you can't touch. You've got a pole, but you don't dare touch that thing. If it's unstable, unsteady, you're, you're, just, you're just there by the grace of God. Got to do some fly fishing in Tennessee and we're in water, yay deep, about 27, no, about 37 degree water, cold. And I'm on rocks, and it's just unsteady. And I'm asking my, my fishing guide, I said, how often do you fall? He says, every day. Every day. The current is so strong, it knocks you down every day. And I'm thinking, I've got waders on, and they're going to fill up with water, and I'm just going to float down the river. You know, here we go. I, I get a picture that that must be what that river was like, because when they came up out of that river, you know what they grabbed? Twelve huge rocks. And they carried them on their shoulders, and they brought them, and they built this, this monument to remind them of the deliverance that God had just given them. So that's just happened. Their faith has been bolstered, and now they're looking at this city called Jericho. It's a walled city. It is secure. It's been built to, to withstand any kind of, of army that would come against it. The city of Jericho is hearing how God is delivering all these other places into the hands of these, these Hebrews, and, and they're hearing the stories, and, and their hearts are beginning to melt, and Joshua sends a couple spies into Jericho, and and, and, and they slip into Jericho, and, and they find their way to a prostitute's house. Why in the world they went to a prostitute's house? The Bible doesn't tell us. But maybe because the house was open. 
Maybe God just revealed that he was going to use this lady that everybody else in town had already used. But God was going to use her in a good way. So they end up at her house. The king is made aware that she's taken in these men. And he dispatches the guards to go and to find these spies who are spying on his land because their hearts are melting. They know that they are next. And in this story, we read about her deception. We read about her taking the men up on the roof and covering them with, with some flax, some, some material, and covering them and hiding them out and telling the spies, well, they did come and, and they were here for a little while, but before night fell and y'all locked the gates, they, they made their way out and they're probably on the road trying to get back to their people. You ought to chase them down. The Bible's not promoting lying here. It was all that lady knew how to do. Her whole life had been a lie. She had learned to cover up men for a long, long time. And that's all that she knew. That's where she was at in her, in her faith walk. That's where she was at at this moment in her time. But God took her where she was. And by grace, he gave her enough grace to have faith. She heard the stories. If you read in, in, in the book of uh, Joshua, the story of this, of this encounter, she comes in, the spies say, hey, we're here and we're spying out the land. And, 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 and they let her know what they're doing. And she says, listen, we have heard the stories. We've heard what your God has done in all the towns that he's delivered to you. And we know that we're next. And everybody's heart in town is just melting and they are scared to death. And the spies go, that's what we needed to hear. That means that God has given this town to us. They get ready to leave, and she lets them down. This is interesting. Lets them down out of her house with the rope over the wall because her house is built in the wall. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down. There's only one part that stood, by the way. Rahab's house. Isn't it interesting that, that the house that gets to stand is not in the center of town? It's on the wall. And while the rest of the walls crumble, Rahab's house stands. Why? Because she had faith. But as they get ready to leave, she goes, make me a promise. What's the promise? What do you want? W- would you spare me and, and my family since I gave you cover and since I helped you out? And they make a vow to her that they will. And they said, anybody that you bring into your home, y'all, your family, will be spared. You hang this scarlet rope down the wall and we will know and we'll tell our people that that's a family that's to be spared. But anybody outside your home, it's free game. And, and if you lie and, and betray us, then, then you're fair game. But if you stay true to your word and you remain faith-filled, then you'll be spared. And they come. And here's, here's the craziest thing. Joshua leads them to the walls of Jericho, to the city. And here's his instructions. Guys, listen, here's, here's our great military strategist, Joshua. We're not going to touch the city. I just want you to walk around it today, take the ark, play some music, and then come back and camp out. And we're going to do that for six days. And then we're going to get up on the seventh day really, really early, and we're going to walk around the city seven times. Joshua, that, that takes away the element of surprise. It, it, it shows them the size and the strength of our army. So what if they're picking us off from the wall? Josh, this, what if they capture the ark? You're going to send the ark out there? That's what God says to do. Joshua, you have lost your marbles. 
We, we've always looked at you, Joshua, as a great military strategist. This is a horrible military strategy. This doesn't make any sense at all, Joshua. And Joshua says, this is what God said. It makes perfect sense to me. Why? Because I'm a man of faith. And when God speaks, all I have to do is to respond. I don't have to understand it. I don't have to have it all figured out. I don't have to have it all mapped out on a piece of paper where it's all going to fit. I just have to listen and respond. That's, that's what faith is. It's a response to God's revelation that brings a reward. And so here we go. God says, this is what I want you to do. Joshua didn't make up the plan. God did. Joshua, this is what we're going to do. And on the seventh day, Joshua, here's what we're going to do. Tell people, don't shout yet. But when we go all the way around, then we're going to blow these horns. And the people are going to give a shout. And the walls are going to come tumbling down. And the city is going to be yours. And you will know that it was not your might or your wisdom or your strength or your plan that did it. It was mine. And Joshua says, I'm in. I, I, I like your plans better than my plans. And the people listened to Joshua. And they encircled the walls seven different, or six different times, six, once a day, and then back the seventh day seven times. And the walls of Jericho fell. There's the revelation, there's the response, and there's the reward. And the city was theirs. Verse 31, Rahab living in the wall of this great city. Rahab, the prostitute. How would you like that title to follow you the rest of your life? Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with the rest of her town that was disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. You know why she gave a friendly welcome to the spies? Because God, by his grace, had opened her eyes to see who was really God. She knew their God is greater than our God. And I want to be a part of his team. Their God's doing things that our gods and our guards and and our governors and our, our kings have never been able to do. I want to be a part of that one. Do you realize the risk that she took by hiding out the spies? I mean, the guards came to her house, dude. Reminds me of stories we hear from Germany with the Jews. She's willing to take that risk and hide them out. Now listen, she's either right and she's hearing from God, or she has just sold out her city to the enemy. Enter into the drama. Feel the weight of the moment for Rahab. Can I trust these foreigners who've shown up at my house uninvited, unannounced, who say they're coming and they're going to take our city. Do I turn my back on my people? Do, do, do I risk selling out my people? And if I'm wrong, then I will forever be known as the one who made that mistake, who opened the door for the Trojan horse to come in. We miss the weight and the responsibility that, that faith brings with it. But Rahab understood that, and she gave him a welcome, and she held true to her word, and she was rescued. Guys, listen, faith is, is the greatest privilege that we have. To, to, to hear from God, to respond in obedience, and to watch God do what God promised to do, it's a great privilege. But it is also a huge responsibility. 
Because not just your life rides on the line, but the future of those in the wake, in, in, in your family, and in your, 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 um, your city, your town, your church, all that rides on that. There is a huge blessing, but there's also this huge responsibility that goes with faith. So it's not just a privilege, but it's an incredible responsibility. And if we fail in this area, in, in this area of faith, then lives for generations to come can be affected. That if we miss God's will for our family, there are consequences that can linger for a long, long time. But if we get it right and we, we hear from God and we, we, we know that what we are doing is what God's ordained for us to do, then we can move with confidence and we can move knowing that God's blessings will eventually come. may not be immediate, but the blessings will flow because we've heard from God and we've responded in obedience. There's a necessity that we get this right, that we not take it lightly. These are four examples of folks who understood the moment and stepped up and said, I'm with God. And, and, and our faith becomes evident through our actions and through our response. Again, the blood wasn't on the inside of the door. It was on the outside for the world to see. Moses is backed up against the sea, and, and, and it's do or die. It's, 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 it's hear from God, respond to God. Or we're all dead meat. And I go down as the worst leader in the history of the world. Joshua, the worst strategist in the history of the world, if this thing doesn't happen. But these guys that walked with God long enough to know that God's word was true and that God uh, was faithful to his word and that as God did what God said he was going to do, that he would be faithful. Even Rahab who I don't believe was a person of, of great faith at that moment, took the little bit of faith that she had, the little bit of faith that God gave her, and she acted upon what she had. And she did all that she knew to do. And look what it did for her family. And look at the king that it brought us through her lineage and the Messiah that came through that. Don't tell me that you're too far gone for God to use. Don't tell me, well, I tried faith and it just didn't work the way I thought it was and I've just given up on that. Listen, if God can use a prostitute, God can use you. And if God can give her the faith by grace to do what she did, then he can give us the faith that we need for this very moment. That's the kind of God that we serve and that's the gospel that we proclaim is that nobody is too far gone. For God to, to give them the faith that they need to respond to him. And I remind you of what it says in Hebrews. That without faith, it is impossible for us to please God. Without an obedient response to what God has revealed, it's impossible for me to please God. So God reveals his will to those who seek him. You will, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart, the Bible says. So how to become faith-filled? It starts by seeking God with all my heart. And as I seek him, he reveals himself to me. And as he reveals himself and his plan, then I can finally respond in faith. And then my life becomes pleasing to God. See how all this begins to fit together. Just realize this as we close today. Your choice about what you will do in faith or not do in faith will have lasting impact for generations to come. Sometimes immediate, sometimes delayed 
but it will have an impact for generations to come. Why not be that mom, that dad, that, that parent, grandparent, that friend, that coworker that says, you know what, I'm going to stand with God and let the chips fall where they may. And I'm going to trust that God's just going to use that for his glory. And then watch what God does and how he uses you. Can we pray together as we close?